This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to foobarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hey guys, I'm Dan Clark and this is Screen Talk. Hello, bonjour, hola to all my European listeners. <laughs> I think I think there's some. I'm, I'm pretty sure they. Uh, um, I know I, I have a lot of French fans because of my sitcom, and uh, the, the weird thing is that show's never been broadcast. So I have this mixture um, of feelings, which is on the one hand, I just feel I can't believe I've got French fans. On the other hand, I think they're all illegally downloading my work. <laughs> How dare they? Um, apologies in advance if I trip over my words today or just pass out mid-sentence. I'm not high on drugs. I have jet lag. Pretty bad jet lag. I woke up at 2.30 last night, uh, this morning. I never know how you say that if it's a.m. Well, it's surely the morning. Anyway, I couldn't get back to sleep, so um, went into the living room and I started watching things. I tried to watch the film Ordinary People. Uh, the Robert Redford film I've always tried to watch it three can I just say if you've ever thought about watching that film don't watch it at 3am it's definitely not a 3am kind of movie um, anyway so I, I quit on Ordinary People and then I did the pilot of Walking Dead because I've never seen it and I was immediately hooked anyway that's TV talk I've got here as you've you've already heard him sort of the, the charming dulcet tones of mr james gill the film editor of shortlist magazine can i just quickly ask james uh is shortlist just a london thing no uh 12 cities nationwide okay cool uh so well uh, what's new what's happening in the world of film james how are you by the way just quickly i'm good it's, it's yeah? always it's always good to see you dan but because <laughs> you have been away you are so brown you look like des o'connor which I'm, I'm. That was the look I was going for. Well, mission yeah. accomplished, my friend. Yeah, thank you. You look incredible. Oh God! I mean, how did he do that without ever getting skin cancer? I mean, uh, uh, so film news. Oops. Ron Seal. I'm going Ron Seal. Ron for Seal. Uh, yeah. Film news. I think the Rogue One trailer has to be the the big yeah. thing this week, and it just looks. Uh, so yeah. Oh it was my cool, God! Because in a way, better than Force Awakens. <laughs> in a way. I don't know. I mean, certainly, I, I got as excited. I was surprised by how, it, yeah. how excited I got over it. But is it because it's uh, story-wise, it's around the time of the original, so there was a lot of that, you know, using some of the originals. Maybe, yeah, because he's used some of those original vehicles, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, he and also like he's the nailed it. Oh, I know oh. it does look amazing, and I love that they're still using. Not household names, you know, in the way that Star Wars, you know, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, etc., were not household names. Same with uh, John Boyega, etc. And the fact that he's picked a few left field choices. So, like Ben Mendelsohn, if you're, if you're a film fan, you yeah. know that he's an awesome actor, but your average dude does, on the street doesn't know who Ben Mendelsohn is. So, I can't wait to see. Does Ben, does, is, does that mean, though, that Ben Mendelsohn's playing a psychotic bad guy in. For, you know, probably you know, because whenever he pops yeah. up, I go, okay, he, he'll be the bad guy. Yeah, because oh, he always so is. He's so good, isn't he? Uh, but yeah, it, it, that looks that looks. The awesome. problem is on that note, though. Unlike yesteryear, which I do a lot of in this but show, yesteryear there, there wasn't so much yes. fucking stuff to watch. Yesteryear, a film came out every year. Yeah, exactly. Now, it's almost. I would say there are six or seven releases. At the cinema yeah. per per week, pretty much. And um, then there's Netflix, Amazon, and the DVD collection I've built up over the years. That Some of them I still haven't even unwrapped. One thing that I'm fascinated by is the films that go straight to DVD that have good people in them. 
Well, now that I think the um, you know the straight to DVD thing is. Well, because it's VOD, what do they call it? Like, simultaneous yeah, release yeah. now. So a lot of films get released at the same time as the cinema. That's right. Because, you know, there's this whole thing that smaller films just don't do well at the cinema. So now I think that stigma of straight-to-DVD is finally starting to go. Like, okay. I wouldn't be embarrassed if I made a Dan film. Dan Clark, the movie. Yeah. You'd be like, all right, I'll say that. Yeah. Well, I'd be embarrassed by that movie. I don't know. What is that? Who would play you in Dan Clark, the movie? Well, if I didn't get the role for that, I mean, I'd know that I really am not hot at the moment, that I can't even play myself in a movie. Des O'Connor, if you're <laughs> oh, listening. Fuck you. So, uh, ro- yeah, Rogue One is called. Uh, that's very exciting. Um, what else have we got? So the new, I've, I've seen, this is more bragging than anything else, I've seen the documentary that goes with the Blu-ray of The Force Awakens. It's 69 minutes long. I, am, I, I sound like I'm working for Disney. If you're a Star Wars fan, you have to buy the double-disc edition because the documentary is awesome. Is it? Yeah, my wife is not a Star Wars fan. I put the documentary on last night and even she was like, this is amazing. What is the kind of narrative of it? So, I mean, it's very... What comes across is the love that everyone has, the enthusiasm on it. John Boyega looks like he's won a competition. Yeah. He is so well, he happy. Sort of has. But, I mean, <laughs> but And you love it. It's so endearing. Um, the the, the behind-the-scenes footage is incredible. You've got excerpts from board meetings when they announce to the board that they've got J.J. Abrams on board. Um, oh, so they've really like oh they've, they've, they've gone for it. They have absolutely gone the for it. They're like filming conversations over the urinal. There, yes. <laughs> this is no. This is no. This is more than just a puff piece. There's so much to it. The the behind the scenes stuff, the on location shoots. Um, they go back into the archives from the original movies. They've got so much stuff stored away, and it, and it videos the the crew of the Force Awakens going through all the original uh, props and what have you. It is awesome. It really is. Here's my question for you. Do you feel like... I love that stuff. Yes. Like, I love it. As a film fan, as someone that makes and creates stuff as well, I'm a huge, huge fan. I loved it when DVDs first started coming out and there were commentaries, there were behind the scenes. But do you feel... Is there an argument for this is slightly ruining the magic of the wonder of movies? Uh, no, I would say the opposite because that documentary is so good mm-hmm. that by the time the credits roll at the end, I was almost off my sofa. I was, it, it, it made it even more <laughs> magical and it made you wish that you were John Boyega yeah. or you know, anyone associated with okay. that film. Oh, right, this is a good story from the, the DVD extra, the, the documentary. There was a dude who is, was a hobbyist and his hobby was building R2-D2s. He did it for fun. He ended up meeting Kathleen Kennedy at a convention and cheekily said, if you ever make another Star Wars film, here's my details. A few months later, that dude got an email, would you like to operate R2-D2 on The Force wow. Awakens? Uh, that is cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty But awesome. it also now makes a lot of people go, well, why isn't that happening to me? No? Maybe I'm just too cynical. But I think so, yeah. yeah I, I get, I, I, put it this way, tonight I will be dressing up as C-3PO on the off chance that there is a role. Okay. No, I mean, I, I'm sure, I wish I'd not said that I could see you as a good C-3PO. Yeah, polite. Yeah. Enthi- well, Enthi- no. Mm. A bit camp. Yes, I will well, take very that. Camp. A very camp, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they just okay. when they were pitching C-3PO, did they go, we're just, it's camp tin man. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, because when, uh, when you're a little boy, when you watch it, you don't realise that. But the older you get, I mean, it's borderline John Inman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not borderline. It's it is John Inman. It's pretty full on John Inman. And that is a good thing. And their relationship is very questionable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong, not there's anything with, wrong with that. same-sex robot love. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Inter-droid shenanigans. <laughs> 
so uh, something I read about yesterday was that the Warners have uh, confirmed that Ben Affleck is going to direct a standalone Batman film. And again, that is, I think, a, a wonderful thing because Affleck has got a, such a, a beautiful eye when it comes to directing and I thought he was wonderful as Batman in Batman vs Superman. Yeah. So, again, I'm excited. I just hope that... Because when you enter the world of um, comic book stuff, you're... It's... You know, the, the reaction to it can be really... Uh, quite harsh or it can be yes. dividing or whatever he's got such an impeccable director's cv now like Absolutely. really amazing I, mean, I still think in some respects gone baby gone, gone, baby, is, gone. is his best film. film yeah it's a great film and, and if you've read any of the dennis lehane books i've read i think i've read every book that dennis lehane really yeah and i wish that film had done better because there are so many more kenzie and gennaro novels that would make awesome yeah. movies who else plays that um aren't they in Casey mystic Affle- river or something no no, no different the, the, so the, the detectives Kenzie and Gennaro I think there are five maybe six books I'm sure they're in another adaption of oh really I'm, I'm sure they are okay I could be wrong tweet in if you know uh, <laughs> um, well I'm, I'm, I'm Kenzie and Gennaro Mystic River I'm, I've seen that movie but I don't I'm remember sh- um, maybe it's not them okay. I'm okay. sure they're in another I'm sure I remember reading that right, anyway right, okay yeah, so tweet in if you. Uh, so, uh, so you're excited about that. I am excited, but I just I kind of want him to. At the, I guess it's just I think he does that crime uh, movie, that sort of almost seventies crime yeah. genre thing so well. Um, it'll be interesting. Maybe he'll do something that none of the directors of Batman have done yet, which I, will be interesting. Given Affleck's gritty eye and you know if you've I mean you've probably read the Batman comics as well yeah I, I think, I think he lends huge... himself well to that yeah I'm not as I'm not this is the problem for me as a film lover I don't you know I like the odd uh, Superman uh, Superman superhero movie comic book I do like good ones but I'm not as oh anyone that comes out I've got to go and okay. see it and it feels like if you're not a huge comic book fan in this day and age, then you're kind of in the minority. Yeah. Which is weird. I feel like how comic book fans used to feel in the sort of 70s and 80s, where only one of the type of films they like come out. Do you know what I mean? You're looking at me as if to say, wow. I'm 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 soaking it all in. I'm I'm, I'm looking at you uh, in awe. It's almost as if from February to November, that's all it is. It's just... And then you get this little, like, three-month period where the Oscar films come out where they sort of release the kind of films that I tend I, to be into. I, I would say that the facts would back you up there. That yeah. is pretty much But when they when, when you get a good... Like, I still maintain that the middle the best Dark Knight... superhero film ever? I think it's The Dark Knight. But I don't like either of the other two. Oh, I love... Uh, Batman Begins is... Really? Much, oh, my... Yeah, absolutely. Really? With I the, just feel like that the, what it suffers from is a, a not a brilliant villain. I sent... Like, you're a bit confused. Is it him? Is it... Who's the... The bit with about you haven't given up on me, Alfred, and the way Michael Caine goes, never. Just <laughs> I was I was absolute Niagara Falls in the Streatham Odeon. I also like Iron Man's one and three a lot. Yeah, yeah, threes. Yeah, hilarious, isn't it? A good friend of mine co-wrote that. Stop it. Yeah, you joking? No. I've got a really good story about that, but we don't have time oh, for it. So what a we'll do it next time. I know we're doing next story, time. Tweeting, but um, yeah, my friend Drew Pierce wrote it. Uh, Your friends with Drew Pierce? Yeah. Oh, yeah. come on! And he is a comic book yeah. uh, fan, and uh, and um, so I hang around with them. 
It's just not me. Wow. We'll talk about that another time. Um, so, uh, what else? Have we got anything else before we... Yes, we wanted to talk the Swiss Army Man trailer. Oh, yes, of course. I mentioned that to you. Um, you looked at me confused, like, what? What? It is a bit like that when you yeah. watch the trailer. But what I liked about it, it sort of reminded me a bit of when I very first heard of... Weekend at Bernie's? Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is a Weekend at Bernie's. That's quite good. So the, for those of you that haven't seen it, check it out. Swiss Army Man is a film where Paul Dano is stranded on a tropical island. And it looks like he's, you know, he's at a very desperate point in the, in the journey of this um, story when all of a sudden Daniel Radcliffe's dead body washes up to shore and he befriends it. He befriends the corpse. And uses it in ways that, well... Might surprise you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, bit, it's a necrophilia film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it's just two hours of them going at it. Um, it's a bit like Castaway, but except instead of Wilson the ball, it's... Wilson the dead body. Wilson the Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. Which And by, by the way, I love the fact that Daniel Radcliffe is making these really bizarre choices post-Harry Potter. I say, uh, yeah, you've got to applaud that, I think. Yeah. God, God bless him. There's him, something in that, isn't there? Yeah. In going for those left-field choices. Well, I think he knows he's never going to like be able to do repeat the success of Harry Potter sure in terms of like so he made he's got the money in the bank yeah as Jim Bowen would say his money, <laughs> the money's safe money's safe so just enjoy it Daniel and, he's, and then, he's he, doing and it. then s- do you think he would turn up and go Daniel here's what you could have won <laughs> and it's a post Harry Potter could career have been that was yeah. oh. <laughs> uh, I, I, it really excited me that it wasn't Weekend at Bernie's it reminded me of it reminded me a bit of uh, Warm Bodies which was a film I enjoyed and um a bit like when I very first heard of being John Malkovich. And I thought, oh, what, what a movie that is. How? What? Really? They're doing that? Um, it was, it's just very hard to be surprised by a story. Not necessarily the way someone directs something, but yeah. like an idea. Yeah. Every idea has been done, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, even that, which seems like an original idea, yeah. we have already compared to yeah. Castaway and Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. So, not original at all. But, but it does look good. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah. If you like that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, thank you, James. I know it's a short one today. Um, unless there was something else you're desperate to talk about. Michael Keaton oh, possibly yes. being in the new I Spider-Man I could talk movie. about Michael oh. Keaton for hours. I think you and I need a show where we can just... Michael Keaton Appreciation yeah, Society. I, that and I'll tell you about Drew Pearce. And we, I'm sure there was something from the other week that we were going to talk about as yeah, well. Yeah, there, there was. So go on, Ma- Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is possibly going to be the villain in the new Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming is the title is that's just strange, been strange revealed. But Keaton is so awesome. Have you ever seen him on Letterman? Yes, just amazing. consistently. Was, he was hilarious. a stand-up back in the he day. He was a stand-up back in yeah. the day, and there are not many people that Letterman genuinely finds funny. Yeah, I think I can safely say that. But Keaton would have Letterman in gale, oh, gales of laughter. He was. I remember him once. Kind I've of, never heard that gales of. Laughter. I may have just made it up. <laughs> Tweet in if uh, <laughs> uh, I think Des O'Connor told me all about it. So. <laughs> Michael Keaton obviously went through a period before the other guys where some of it, you know, some of his films weren't as successful as they yeah. had been. I, I can safely say that. I think, let's say, in terms of mainstream success, yes. he was. Mainstream success would have been a more part of saying. He was a slightly. I, I remember him going on Letterman saying that uh, in something like, in my last five. I'm not saying that my last five films haven't done that well, but I turned up wearing the ba- Batman costume and no one noticed. And David Letterman <laughs> must have laughed. <laughs> For what felt like an hour. Oh. 
Brilliant. Well, I, uh, I'm very excited about seeing him in another, even though, like I, what I said about uh, comic book a- adaptations, when they're good and they've got good cast, good story, I love them. And the idea of Keaton playing a bad guy, because I love him so Keaton much. Keaton is awesome. Um, now, we haven't uh, got as much time today, because I interviewed a brilliant writer, Tess Morris, uh, pre-recorded this uh, interview and it went on for an hour and 45 minutes so so we actually we had to cut out so much and i'm sorry tess that we had to do that uh we are talking about doing uh slightly more uh longer versions of the podcast uh but for the radio show this is uh the interview i did with her we she wrote the film man up starring simon Pegg, your lookalike and uh lake bell um and we discussed at length rom-coms Screen Talk with Dan Clark on FUBAR Radio. So here we have, with me, we're very lucky to have Tess Morris. Did you forget my surname? No, I didn't, but I was going to, for some reason I was going to say your middle name even though I don't know it. Oh, it's Joe. Joe. But it would be, but my full name is Tessa Joe Morris. Tessa. Yes, but no one calls me that unless they're angry. My dad still calls me. That is the laziest abbreviation of a name I've ever heard in my life. One letter. So I can't be bothered to say Tessa. No. Well, no, but I felt like as a writing name, um, Tessa Morris sounded really formal. And I started calling myself Tess when I was about, well, I've always been called Tess. And then I started officially calling myself Tess in my teens. It also just sounds like someone you're slightly hesitating. Tessa Morris. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Tessa. Like you are. You can't remember your surname. No, but you, well, you clearly couldn't. Yeah, but. <laughs> I know I could, but I do this joke about like saying people's middle names. I say joke that in the loosest yes. sense of the word, <laughs> um, it's not that funny. But um, thank you for joining me. This is uh, part of my continuation of inter- interviewing people in Los Angeles, the, the city, city of angels. The city yeah. of angels. Um, no although I've, I've not seen an angel yet. And also, every time I call it that, people go, you know, no one actually calls it that. And I say, well, I, I call it that. Yeah. Yeah. And well, But people d- must somewhere call it that. Because yeah, I think that's maybe what only people as. like us. Yeah. The romanticism of the city of angels. Yeah. Uh, do you uh, like it here? I love it here. Yes. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> um, and you moved here for work reasons? I moved here for both personal and professional, business and leisure. Yeah, I, leisure. Leisure, well, you know, I if you were that. to put it on, you know, when leisure. they make you do the immigration thing at passport yeah. control. And for ages, I could only put leisure because obviously I didn't have my visa and everything. Mm. And then finally, I could put business. Do you think they could retrospectively or retroactively <laughs> kick you out of the country? Well, they can. The lies that you told back then. On yeah, this? yeah, may, maybe. But they they quiz you so intensely oh at immigration. And at one point they say, like, I remember the first time I came back here after about a year and a half ago. And they said, and I hadn't put my, my zip code on yeah. the, you know, the form. Yeah, yeah. And they said, oh, um, we can let you into the country if you, you haven't got your zip code. So I just went, 90210. <laughs> just like the only one yeah. that I know. They were like, and they looked at me like, ma'am, that's not your zip code, is it? I was like, what, because mm-hmm. of the way you were dressed or something? No, I think they just, they were very, you know, they just choose, they just pick you. And then because I was so nervous once they said that, you know, then they like scan your fingers and my hand was shaking oh on the God. thing. I know. I, I get so nervous uh, at um, customs you know the question on the form that says are you or have you ever uh, been involved in espionage or terrorism (laughs) i get so nervous i'm like i don't know maybe i have maybe i have inadvertently maybe maybe that's they've you know they've erased my memory and then when i get through the other side they'll put it back in yeah that's quite a good idea that's quite a good idea for a film yeah Yeah. maybe it's like the born total recall or yeah yeah. meets born 
identity. Meets the long kiss goodbye. I mean, yes. it's been done a lot. <laughs> it's been done a lot. I would say the long kiss goodnight does it the best. Yes. Uh, you are a writer. I a am. Screenwriter. I am. Is that is can you can you be a screenwriter if you do TV or is that purely? You know too? what I no I think but maybe now yes because the the small screen has become the big screen. Yeah. But but historically speaking, no. I mean, screenwriting was always films, and it's like the boring scriptwriter was TV, mm. wasn't it? it? Doesn't well, sound as glamorous, nice, does it? it nice. It's not adventures in the script trade, is it? <laughs> um, but yeah. um, but I feel like now you could say screenwriter also because everyone does both. You yeah. know, most people do film and TV, so... In fact, a lot of people are screenwriters. In a lot situation. of people. You know yeah. what? You meet a lot of screenwriters in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. A lot. And that's okay. Yeah. Some of them are, and some of them aren't. I've seen very successful... Like, I've seen people I've seen on TV shows working behind bars. Yes. Or driving me in an Uber. And then <laughs> they're not... They don't seem like... If that was me... I'd be cripply embarrassed, like, oh, what must they be But that's because you're British, Dan, think- so you're, you're embarrassed that, like, oh, God, someone's what actually... What people thinking yeah, of me? Yeah, they don't... Uh, why, why would you care? You're like, maybe you've been for an audition in the day that you might get tomorrow, but tonight you're driving that Uber. Yeah. Like, it's a positive thing, I yeah. think. Like, and if, and if you do pick me up in an Uber next week, I won't judge you. <laughs> <laughs> but so when you, you had the idea... Yes. You then decided you were going to write it. Yes. Did you spec it, I presume? Yes. Yeah. Um, you had read the book at that point? Yes. So you'd worked out your structure? Yes. And then I took three months to write it. Great. I will never, ever have as good an experience as I did on Man Up. Like, it's fucked me for life. Because, so, because you enjoyed the I just enjoy, I enjoyed writing you it. You were there typing away. Oh, my God. I was like Diane Keaton in Something's Got to Give when she's at the, you right. know, when she's crying but enjoying it all because it's just like, <laughs> this is all happening. Like, like I will... I've, I've never experienced that before in my life. I sat there, I wrote it. I had a friend, Aaron, who used to um, read it for me, read it in stages and we'd meet up and um, like have a cup of tea and he talked me through like his notes and stuff. And at every point he was like, this is, this is good, this is good. And I'd yeah. be like, fuck, I know it's like not that shit. What's going on? What's happening? Um, and then I finished it and I remember getting to the end. It was like 101 pages. I was so pleased. It was like so tight. And, um, and I sent it to my agent and I said, dear Julia, you haven't heard from me for a while. Here's the script, man up. It's not shit. And that's all I knew at the point. You know, I was like, I, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing ever written, but I know it's not shit. The best pitch in the world. Best pitch ever for your agent. And then I went off to New York for a week and um, roamed the streets on my own, looking at the fat cats in Bleecker Street Records and like just having a weird old time. It sounds with, like, like such an amazing <laughs> It was, it was. It will never be like this again. Cool but don't life. get me wrong, I'm like weeping in corners on Fifth Avenue. I'm not okay. like totally all right. Yeah. I'm just You're having an I'm emotional just, mess. Yeah, I'm a mess, but I'm a I'm but and I'm definitely not a hot mess. I'm like a I'm like because I hate that phrase so much. It's just the, the death of so many things that that phrase. But I am I am definitely I'm messy. I'm definitely me- messy. In a sort of uh, from like a Woody Allen film. Yes. Yeah. I am. You're in, you know, lower, your lower Manhattan. Yes, just having a little corner. cry in the corner. Yes. Um, and then I got back, and my agent rang me and was like, "It's not shit. It's it's good. It's really good." I said, "Oh, oh, like Jesus Christ, really?" Because I sent it to like a few people. Like, com- I have like people that I will always let read my stuff mm-hmm. who I trust implicitly, and they'd all said, "No, it's quite good." But you know, your agent's the one, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah. you're like. Yeah, and then and then this will never happen again to me. It was like everyone liked it. <laughs> <laughs> 
so yeah so that was sort of like how it all happened and then even and did simon atta- being attached did that speed it he didn't come attached for a year after okay. they optioned it i did another basically the first draft of man up was very walkie talkie it was very um it could have been done like i could my plan was if no one liked it that i would just like make it myself the on the south bank version. yes exactly yeah. um so yeah so i didn't um really um have i didn't i didn't i hadn't really like expanded the universe and, and made it cinematic and that's what rachel did so we spent um probably about six months to a year redrafting and me kind of like opening it up a bit more and set pieces stuff like that like the reflex dance i put in and um like the run with the kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that um but nothing ever really changed structurally it was like actually. oh I, i'm actually getting to make this yes Let's, we'll i know have- 40 kids yeah. instead of five. Hey. Well, actually, there were no kids, I don't think, originally. I think, I can't remember. No, he, did he always run with the kids? I think he always led. Um, were you happy with how it came out? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. I wasn't happy with um, that it didn't do insanely well. I mean, you know, like, because it's impossible to, like, people get people to go to the cinema. Yeah. I mean, it didn't do badly. I mean, we did, like, a million, like, I think, overall in the UK. But obviously you know if that, if we'd come out maybe 10 15 years ago we might have done that in a weekend so well, that sort of look at me talking about finances i'm so happy with I the film i i love i love the film that got made yeah. like i think and you love the process i of love the process it. i i absolutely i suppose the reason i'm saying that is that like i'm so passionate about romantic comedies that i wanted it to be it's what's what it's actually proving to be is actually a, a lovely slow burn yeah. like people find it in their own way now and that's really really lovely and that's only sort of come about in the last six months whereas at the time when it came out last year I remember thinking oh and we got the usual snidey fucking reviews by the broadsheets who were like oh and you're like fuck off you like it's a romantic comedy we're not trying to be like subvert the formula and we're not trying to be cool and we're not trying to say you know like this is what it is so like if you if you're gonna hate it, hate it because you don't like the content or you don't like, I don't know the story. Don't slag it off. Like one of the reviewers gave us one star and talked about Lake's bobble hat, oh, and I was kind Christ. of like, okay, look, I can cope with people not liking the film, but if you're gonna review it badly, review it properly, like with some panache. Don't slag it off because she wears a rom-com woolly hat in it. <laughs> It was cold oh, on the South Bank. See, I don't know if I if I would prefer people in a way if someone slagged it off because of the character's hat. Well, it's I, better. I, I know what you mean. At least I got away with any personal yeah. anything aimed at me. No, I mean <laughs> as I, the writer. Yeah, I mean but I actually. No, I mean it is. It's so unfair, and you know, I'm a I'm I have a real problem with critics and and yeah. with the way things are reviewed. I think it's good to have them. But I just think there's a lot of bad ones. And mm. when people put years of their life into something for someone who can sometimes are influential yeah. to completely dismiss an entire, you know, piece of work that just so because, many people just because they've got their own little sort of agenda or short attention yeah, span or like beef I, with rom coms. But or whatever, I, yes, exactly that. And I think it's also really weird for me like the best critics you know like Kermode and all the people that they they are cineasts and they adore cinema and if he doesn't like something he's got damn fucking good reasons for why he didn't like it and they're also hilarious reasons sometimes as well and sometimes they're he will say look I you know I don't 
particularly, you know, I love it's not the film, for me. but it's not the greatest yeah. film in the world. Exactly. Or the other I love it when he gets, when he waxes lyrical about something like The Notebook. He's like, I just love a Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. <laughs> Sue me. And, you know, like, but he also understands the genre of that film. And he's saying, okay, so I'm not the audience for this. Like, he loves Twilight. I mean, I love that he loves Twilight. But I actually quite like the love first a, film. Yeah, I love the first one's quite and good. And I, I watch it because I wrote something uh, about vampires and I'd never seen any of the Twilight films <laughs> and I had to watch lots of vampire films yeah lots things I would never normally watch and I was like right here we go it's like it's oh, actually no it's it's a well made movie and it's about something I didn't watch you know? the other 40 no though, you don't need but, to watch those probably yeah. but anyway the point is is that I love I am overly sensitive about romantic comedies because I love it as a genre and I feel like if the amount of headlines that are like you know it's dead or it's alive or it's shit or it's whatever I'm like you if we don't have romantic comedies, what the fuck? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't just want to watch superhero movies. And I, I love superhero movies, but I don't just want to watch those. I don't just want to watch thrillers. I don't just want to watch like in-depth films about... Well, I want to watch films about life. And my, my question to you, and this was going to be a big part of the interview, is can rom-coms ever be successful again? And I ask that from the point of view of rom-coms... A lot of uh, story, plot lines, premises of rom-coms uh, have kind of been ruined because of social media, mobile phones, yeah. people's uh, <laughs> people's um, standards, yep. drop social standards, as yep. in like one night stands yep. or like you yep. said a minute ago, fucking yep. in the bathroom. <laughs> or... I think people did that in the 60s as well, to be fair. I know, but there was still <laughs> this like pretense that yes. you can't do that or that you would be seen as... Yeah, whereas now it's, it's all out there. It's kind of like, I mean, romantic comedies from pre-60s were almost entirely based on airs and graces and like, I can't really tell that person what I really think. And yes, then... yeah. I mean, like... Although then that said, you've got kind of more the screwball-y sort of Spencer Chase. Yeah, but I, but I, I like, see what you mean. We hate each we other. We hate each other, yeah, but, really but we, we love, love each, each other. other, yeah. Whereas now it's sort of... I mean, you could still have that, I guess, but people don't have to go through the long, arduous process of, of dating and stuff if they didn't want to, whereas I think for a long time there was this sense that we still go on three or four dates before you... Yeah, but I think it, the challenge someone. is... I think, well, the the issue is is that is more that romantic comedies are now much more on television than ever. So you've got fantastic shows like Catastrophe and Togetherness, which got cruelly cancelled when it should never have got cancelled. And so you've got lots of these kind of things that would have previously probably been more played out. Um, like, the, the, the you know, the premise of Catastrophe is also very cinematic. You know, mm-hmm. a couple, like, get pregnant, you know, on a one-night stand and then spend the course of the movie, like, working out their shit, you know. Knocked up. Knocked, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's what I mean. So you've got... But also even like a small show like Togetherness plays out these romantic comedy strands on, on the smaller screen. And that not that kind of catastrophe thing you could see is a perfect uh, arc for a film. Totally. you can have the conclusion at yeah. the end. But now we can binge watch television. So now you can watch all of Catastrophe like you're watching. You can watch those six episodes like, like a movie. rom-com ever made. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's only like, two, what would it be? It would still only be like just over two and a half hours or something yeah. and whatever. Three These, hours? you know, those, there'd be more roms than yes. just rom-coms. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be really, yeah, droms. Um, I, I personally believe that there, there is. I think the trick that, that, that you, I think the trick is, is how to get people to see them now. Because... You mean- 
literally how, how you get people in the cinema yes, or yeah because that is an overall problem for cinema in itself um because people just go i'm going to wait for dvd mm-hmm. so how are we going to like and the only th- films that people go and see at the cinema now tend to be event cinema sort of yeah, things or whatever and- where or but if you can find like look at something like silver linings playbook which is a classic romantic comedy um and they were going to do a very small release and then it started to get awards buzz and then they did a mass you know they like suddenly rolled it out in a load more cinemas and then it won a lot of awards and it never got called a romantic comedy because because it won awards essentially it's 100% a romantic comedy well that's interesting because I was going to ask you about certain films that that I was looking at a list of the greatest rom-coms yeah and there are films in there that I go well is that technically a rom-com and I guess it's when if it has comedy and a romance in it does that mean therefore it's a rom-com because rom-com I guess in its most um, crass uh, version is a film that is more of a chick flick in its, you know, in it, as a dirty word, rom-com. Yes, as, as a dirty to, word, as opposed to the Annie Hall yeah, rom-com. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It basically, a romantic comedy, by, by very definition, you... the, the story girl, loses girl, No, the story girl has to be driven by a want and desire to do with love. Okay. So, and if you take that out of the story and you don't have a story, then it's not a rom Do you see what I mean? So if you took... Um, so in Silver Linings Playbook, yes. they could have maybe not got together at the end, but the film still yeah, would have worked. Yeah, but it's driven. No, it's driven. What what it is is Silver Linings Playbook. They could have is, been friends. Is, yes, they, they could, could have been still- friends at the end, and it would still be a romantic comedy. People find it's more what your actual story structure is that make, and it has to obviously be funny as well as being romantic. So it's more that like the central premise of the film is to do with two people's chemical equation, really, isn't it? Okay. So if they did, if if there was no spark between. Um, Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence's characters and there wasn't a subtext to everything they were doing then you wouldn't really have you wouldn't be telling a story you'd just be telling a man you know if you took her out of it and he just ran around in his bin liners and then met her and helped her dance and then found himself that wouldn't be a romantic comedy but because it's driven to, by their relationship and the love that subsequently unfolds between them that makes it a romantic comedy okay there, it seems to me like it's also other films as well. So it's kind of like a genre blend. Yeah, I mean, you can have... That's the other thing now. So, you know, uh, Romance in the Stone is an action romantic oh, comedy. I love that Yeah, film who doesn't so love that? Much. But that oh, adheres 100% to the seven beats of a romantic comedy. Her setup, her communication, the cute meet when she's under the bus and there's his, le- you know, his leopard lizard print boot. <sighs> what then ties them together at the end of that one that she says to him, you've got to take me to Cartagena. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, my God. You know, even the midpoint when they sexy timed up and dance it when they're in you know like it absolutely 100% follows a romantic comedy formula but it's got action it's an action hybrid so when he when she dis- she discovers that uh, he's actually just been not yes well, about he, the well, money well that's was, yeah. he was originally doing that but then he changed that's classic yeah. rom-com classic. as well classic so at the end of that too when she realises that she's that she's everything is lost isn't it so in so. Man Up there's the moment where she she was she know he he finds out, but she has fallen for this guy. Well, my end of well, my end of that in, beat happens a lot in rom coms, right? Where one person started doing something for cynical reasons, but then actually is continues doing yes. it because they well, but, genuinely like. Yeah, the other and person. usually 
they don't reveal what i did in man up is actually she tells him at the end of that one that she she tells him the truth because she doesn't think he's going to care yeah um and my end of that one break is actually like he does fucking care and he's furious with her um and traditionally that that beat might have come later in yeah. another but i did it earlier because i wanted to unlock the actual screwballness of their relationship and them to have this kind of weird intense night and then actually my when everything is lost is when they're when they both don't man up at the at the station when she's saying do you want to he basically goes oh she's been calling me the other girl and she's like oh really and then neither of them say fuck we just had an amazing time what are we doing come with me he can't do that because he's too vulnerable and she can't do that because she doesn't want to be like rejected again so yeah. it's like a you know in, in a way you do the opposite of the this classic uh rom-com of two people hating each other yes. from the start no i like them That's, then, they're into each other at the beginning that's yeah. sort of the whole point but they're also not really being themselves at the beginning yeah. and actually by being themselves when they start to fight and get drunk and it all gets out of control that's when they start to like each other because then they're actually being themselves so i always say she's pretending to be someone that she's not but so is he at the beginning because he's doing all his first date things and he's actually not really being who he truly is um I'm just looking at some of the, the mm, list of yeah, films that, like uh, Harold and Maud. Would you call yeah, that well, a rom-com? Yes, that is actually structured rom-com, but it's obviously a slightly sort of darker sort of one. Moonrise Kingdom. I don't. I, I don't I, see I, that I don't as a think. I would not say. The Apartment. One hundred percent a romantic comedy. Maybe in my top three yeah, he's, films yeah. of all time. Yeah, amazing film. What's the last line of it? Shut up and deal. I love it, that last line. Four weddings. Yes, one hundred percent. I've done one hundred percent. Philadelphia Story. One hundred percent. Say anything. Yes. Eternal Sunshine. Yes really yeah i mean it's a fucked up one but it structurally is yeah yep manhattan okay. correct so the important question is the, the, the question on everyone's lips <laughs> what is your favorite all-time rom-com well and if that's too difficult a question yeah to i ask, cannot possibly answer then give that. me your top three. Oh, oh fuck moonstruck okay when harry met sally I mean, I can't even pick a third because it's just like... It's too many. It's too many. Um, you know what? I, a film that I really love that people forget is a romantic comedy is As Good As It Gets. Oh, yeah. I love it's As Good As It Gets. It's a great film, yeah. yeah. And again, great. won awards, so didn't get put in the rom-com sort of bracket, but it's very much one. Dramedy. It's, it's not a dramedy. Uh, my favourites... Um, I act like I'm a huge Woody Allen fan. Yes. I love Annie Hall. I love I adore Annie Hall. It. Yes. But to me, if you're going, if if what you want from a rom com is romance where you desperately want the couple to get together at yeah, the end, yeah, you don't, yeah, and like minute by minute laughs, like big laugh out loud. Yes. I would say that when Harry met Sally, oh, that's the one. Is the yeah. one. But the irony of that is, it's such it's so heavily influenced by Annie Hall yes and Annie Hall's interesting because essentially but Annie Hall's a more groundbreaking film but I think as a rom-com yeah like, you said like, it like my dad then rom-com <laughs> rom-com do, um, do you know what I mean it's like if, if it was films then probably Annie Hall would be higher on my yes, list yes and Annie but Hall rom-com like, yeah but Annie Hall's interesting because from the beginning you know these two people should not be together properly yeah. and um so there, the, the, there isn't like there's the stakes and there's this house that's going to. Well, play I out. think it's more like I mean to be honest, if I'm truly, truly honest, I and I once had an argument um, with Simon Pegg about this. Um, I mean, a friendly argument um, on set because I was like, I kind of want them to be together at the end, and he was like, No, it's, that's the whole point. And I was, and I understand that point of view, but the part of me is like, 
we've been through this hour and a half together yeah like and i don't like the term anti-rom-com when people are like well i'm writing a rom-com that's not really a rom-com it's like look it either is a rom-com dude or it isn't yeah they don't have to fall in love and be married i don't think in man up that jack and nancy stay together just for the record i think they they get it on in a bath and quickie at the end they may have a nice time for a year or so but i don't think they're together yeah. forever like that's not wow like, you've just broken my heart i know, you do I know. That. I, often, people often look at me when i say that and i'm like that's because i'm writing the sequel essentially uh, now I see, so i have to like quickie in the bathroom and, and a then, week yeah. Yes. So this was what I was going to mention earlier, right? The other problem with rom-coms is how, and I kind of touched upon it with social media and t- mobile phones and things. A lot of uh, rom-coms really hinge on this notion that two people can't be together. Yes. Like for there's something getting in the way of these two people, whether it's you know someone from you know poor background and the other person's yeah. rich background, it's a class thing, or whether it's because someone's lied about who they are and mm. to come up with new ways of inventing the the thing that's stopping people from being together is, is really just, difficult yeah but the most important thing that should stop people to get getting together is themselves so uh, yeah on a in terms of writing character yes. and stuff but when you're like oh, watching you're, the trailer and you're like this guy has met this girl but he can't that's why I thought Chasing Amy, whether I haven't seen it in a long time. No, I I've haven't got watched this it. Horrible in a while. feeling that if I rewatch it, I'll be like, Ugh, no, I really? think it would probably still stand but up. At the time, I thought, wow, yeah. this is brilliant. Well, and you know why? Because it's got the other thing that I think is the challenge now if you write romantic comedy is just to come up with a good hook, like a yeah. good, like, like when that happened to me under the clock, I was like, that's a good fucking hook. That's a good. Under the clock. Yeah. That could have like, been a good title. Under the clock. <laughs> and we had a few other titles, let me tell you. But like, I don't think for me what I love is the challenge of going like the new one that I'm writing that I won't say because like I'm sort of knee deep in it at the moment but it's I like a high concept on a in a lo-fi world you mm-hmm. know so your your concept is your your actual emotion emotional stuff is kind of grounded in reality but you put onto that I mean I love 80s movies so there's yeah. a reason why I like those kind of sort of things it's like but I think nowadays the ones that aren't doing it very well are basically just trying to, the only obstacle is like, it's not very realistic or interesting. It's just them, it's almost too narcissistic now. Mm -hmm. It's people are going, oh, I don't want to get together with you because there's loads of other people out there. And it's like, that's not interesting, you know. Um, Or commitment issues. Commitment issues. And what you want is something clever. In fact, there's a film someone recommended to me the other day that I really like the sound of because I actually wrote a short film of the version years ago, which is about a girl who, they she they have a one night stand and then she he she the, the condom splits and essentially I think it's called the pill and he basically stays with her to make sure she takes the pill over a duration of twenty four hours and obviously over that twenty four hours they start you know so I mean I don't think it's a total romantic comedy by all accounts but I like that yeah, to yeah. me like that's interesting so you're throwing two people together in a weird fucked up modern way but you're still dealing with real life emotion just before we uh, play your song mm. um, which I think is a perfect song in terms of uh, in context of everything we've talked about mm. uh, before we do that my probably if I, if someone asked me my guilty pleasure yes. film and I'm so embarrassed to say this okay. but it falls into the rom-com because I do love rom-coms okay. and even the modern yeah. slightly yeah. Uh, I do too version, I do too uh, Dick flicks. I uh, mine's the holiday. Everyone fucking loves that film, and you know what? It's the, my least favorite Nancy Myers. But I f- respect. Really, I not men. It's, sure, surely it's better than what women want, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. You know what? The holiday 
it's, it's a complex thing. I don't hate, I certainly don't dislike it. Like, but the amount of people who love that film, and I love that about it, actually, that may, endears me more to it. Does you know? that say there's hope for the genre? Well, I think Nancy Myers is like a one woman hope thing. Her films fucking do gangbusters at the, you know, at the box yeah. office still. I mean, you know. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan across the board. I quite enjoyed It's Complicated. I love It's Complicated. I love Something's Gotta Give. I love Private Benjamin. Um, I just feel... Yeah, she's, yeah, there's some that are not her greatest, but you know what? Like, I don't know what it is. I think I was a bit down at the yes. time. It was Christmas. Also, it's a Christmas It's a Christmas movie. film. It was yeah. on ITV3 for yeah. the millionth time. You know what? And for whatever reasons, the stars aligned yeah. that I was in the right yeah. headspace <laughs> to watch one of the most schmaltzy yeah. movies and overly, um, you know, post-production but, movies. But like, everything looks like a painting. Yeah. <laughs> but it's got a brilliant hook. Two it people, has. you know, yeah. like, it, it's... it's I, I will never, you know, it's not one of my faves, weirdly, and yeah. everyone always thinks it, it would be. be. Can I just say that's why well, it's my guilty you know, pleasure? Because uh, I yeah. know it's But you not. shouldn't feel guilty. I do. But why? Because... That phrase, guilty pleasure, is so ridiculous. It's like, if you well, enjoy something, just why you fucking enjoy show, it. <laughs> just enjoy it. <laughs> do you say that? Do you go up to crack uh, addicts and say, look, stop feeling guilty. Just enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy it. Well, no, I mean that it. When people guilty. will be like, like, I openly, like, I don't go, I'm not embarrassed about any of the things I like I guess that's what I'm saying it's like so I don't I don't feel like oh god sorry but I like that film I'm like I like that film I'm deeply deeply ashamed ashamed. I actually go to a group (laughs) every Wednesday well I'm telling you now there's nothing to be ashamed about okay well look we're gonna play uh from Pretty Woman this uh, (laughs) this seems perfect for the uh for today's subject well this is a beast of a pop hit (laughs) from probably you know maybe the mother of all rom-coms well also just to be a bit geeky about pretty woman as yeah. a film someone said to me the other day oh pretty woman it's just about like you know a prostitute who then like gets rich and i'm like no pretty woman is about judgment everyone in that film judges everyone so from us judging her that she's a prostitute from richard gear judging her from the Hector, you know the guy in the hotel who's who, who judges her from all the people in the all shops the people around things, them yeah, yeah. yeah and but then and and that's why it's so good because it, it's it's really so about something and um the whole soundtrack is great to pretty women let's not mm-hmm. let's not you know forget well, about mean, including the title song yes and let's not forget about it must have been love by Roxette oh my um, god but yeah I do feel I don't know why this one when you asked me to pick one I was going through all my favourite things and I was just thinking I just I just love this song in this film well let's play it it's king of wishful thinking <laughs> Screen Talk with Dan Clark on FUBAR Radio I mean it's such a creepy tune it's great as my mum would say so you're not guilty pleasure you've yes. broken the rules of this I know uh, sorry I know you wanted to talk about this film so badly I know that you were willing to completely no override anything that that we've been doing for the last five weeks you were like nope I'm no. doing my thing yeah it's not a guilty pleasure it's not you've already mentioned it it's Moonstruck yes now I remember Moonstruck from the point of view of a child walking around my house yep and my parents watching it and i sort of have this yes i I don't think i actually watched it myself but i remember the film and it being very popular at the time it it was nominated for oscars yes and and i watched it did you watch it last night i did (laughs) 
It's a very peculiar <laughs> film. You know what? So many people say that. It's not. And what's so funny <laughs> is not. that if my friend... That's your, that's your uh, comeback. It's yeah, not. it's not. No, it's funny because I... A lot of... Uh, you, you've had the exact same reaction that my friend Chris had when I made him watch it. We were having... He hadn't just, watched just it for, for like... Just for the listeners, by the way, if someone's listening to this and they're not... Then they're kind of going, Moonstruck, I can't think which, which film it's is Cher that. It's Cher and... Describe the plot. It's, so it's, it's Cher... Uh, who is a um, woman in her 40s who is um, gets late proposed 30s. to by... Is she late 30s? I thought she's... I thought she's, yeah. I thought she, no, she's... 30, oh, she's 38. She's 38. 37. Oh, 37. Yep. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> is that she, worrying? No, no. I just thought... I always imagine, think of her slightly older in that film. But um, So she is a... Um, she gets proposed to by her kind of... Uh, boyfriend she she b- believes in bad luck and she and she's basically settling for this guy but she's going to do it because she's been divorced before and it's time and she's from a big italian american new york family etc etc um and he goes off to see his mother who is dying um in italy and he says when we get back we'll get married but while i'm away can you do one thing for me can you go and tell my brother ronnie who i haven't spoken to for years that i'm getting married because i really want him to come to the wedding so Cher goes off to tell this brother who she's never met nicholas cage and they basically fall in love uh, while her husband-to-be is away in rome which is um, a brilliant plot it's a brilliant a- brilliant premise it is a- now the reason you say peculiar and i you d- also didn't mention that nicholas cage has a wooden hand in yes, the film. Yes, he does a wooden hand, but you know what? It's not a huge... He, he, the reason he has a wooden hand and he, is that it's part of the blaming of um, what, uh, why he hates his brother. Yeah. So it's a plot thing. Um, yeah. He accidentally sawed off his hand because his brother distracted him. <laughs> and um, Therefore, his wife then left him, his fiance left him, and he's never forgiven his brother. Um, and, and when I was watching it last night, it did make me kind of go... Oh, yeah, how good to, was Nick Cage? I used to love oh, Nicholas Cage. So good, so good. You know what? The reason you probably find it peculiar is because it was made in what eighty three now or something eighty six. I can't remember the actual year. Eighty seven. Um, is it? Google I think it. it was. I think it was released Release. in eighty seven. It's, uh. it's a big movie, as in thematically, visually, it's it's kooky. You know, mm-hmm. it's screwball in its kind of very essence of, you know, I mean, he tells her he loves her and she slaps him and says, snap out of it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's big sort of stuff. But what I adore about it is that it has all these lovely strands that run through it to do with her parents, own, like these subplots that are all about the same thing, all about not settling, all about bad luck, all about the moon, all about like the world of that film is so rich and it's so simple and I just, I've seen it probably 50 times, despite not thinking she was in her early 40s. Um, <laughs> to me, no, films like that never get made anymore. It's like a one-off, you know? Um, and, and this is a film where I go, the rom-com element, it feels like it's, it's just one part of the film. It's not driven purely by because like you say there's all these other subplots yeah but they're about, mini yeah but they're all rom they're all romantic comedy subplots some of them aren't comedy though there's it's quite a bleak outlook on but that it's still funny i mean the fact that that guy so so the subplot with the mother with olympia dukakis when she knows her husband is having an affair yeah. so she takes herself off to a restaurant and john mahoney is constantly dumped you know by these yeah, younger yeah. women and she says to him you know why do you know why do men you know have affairs and fear of death and etc cetera, etc cetera. like the that's that's the actual um um like the true talent of that film is that it manages to 
take quite heavy hitting sort of things and make them really fucking wry and funny and mm -hmm. interesting angles on stuff. And at the end, they're together, the mum and dad. They look across the table and they say Tiama to each other and it's fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. But it's also funny because Nick Cage is sat there with his wooden hand and the, and the husband's come back that she's going to marry and he's like, oh God, or, you know, it's, it's a farce, yeah. basically. But it's a farce played in this quite sort of almost gothic yes that's what i mean it's eccentric. grand Guignol. yeah it's it's big it's operatic yeah. and, you know. and it's directed by norman jewison who's yes. made like who did rollable the, the other rom-com yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thomas crown affair um uh, fiddler on the roof yes you know a, a weird in terms of you, you can't really see the pattern like of his choices there because he no. likes he liked to do so many different but genres and with this film, there's, I think that's what it feels like. It feels like I was expecting, because I knew that you wanted to talk about rom-coms, I was expecting it to be much more atypical rom-com. No. But it is quite, it's, it's quite dark in places. It's slow. But that's and what I'm saying about not people not making films like that. People have to just sort of allow their minds to just sort of say, like, it's, it's still structurally what you would expect from a romantic comedy but the art is to make it into something original and new and different and yeah. put it in a, for example the opera world in Moonstruck makes it gives it that like heightened thing you know she's never been to the opera and he's like just come with me and then I'll leave you alone and she goes and then she has this amazing experience they do it in Pretty Woman too mm -hmm. you know it's like that must be some sort of homage I'm sure um, but um, I, I, just, I think also I felt it wasn't that funny Honestly, I find it really funny. Thing. Yeah, I do. Do 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 all the music. I, I love think... all the like. Yeah, but maybe this because <laughs> like, like funny. yeah. Don't but worry, even the like, not working. But no, we'll no, put but funny music no, but in it. It is funny because like in the opening scene, they're like you know like when she when when the what's his name her her cut her uncle or whatever, and he's like it's romantically funny. You mm -hmm. know, it's not necessarily laugh I out loud. When Nicolas Cage appears, yes, then it and the reason for why this long feud is yes. revealed and the hand yeah. and his performance I lost my hand <laughs> all and like the way and then the strange bit where the woman um, admits that yeah. she's in love with yeah. him it was it just suddenly got really yeah. quirky and funny but up until then it felt quite um it felt more like a drama that was sort of a bit yeah amusing. but I guarantee you if you watch it again like like this Already? is also yeah you should <laughs> because this is the other thing is that that's what I love about romantic comedies is that most of them get better the more you watch them yeah because you start to including see including 27 dresses include well maybe not 27 <laughs> dresses but they definitely like your I think because you go into it thinking okay this has got to be funny and romantic and your brain is like it's like when you watch a thriller you're like when am I going to get scared when am I going to get this when am I going to get that and with romantic comedy you're going oh these people are going to be together and yeah. it's your job as a romantic comedy writer is to is to say to the audience, how the fuck are these two people going to get together? Like, how in God's name are they going to end up as a couple? Like, it's a really hard thing to do because you're essentially putting two people on screen that people know the ending of your film already. So it's the journey and the puzzle and the... Yeah, it's yeah. The, and it's the twists and turns that, that you take that go, fuck, I didn't see that coming. Uh, by the way, I think we've completely run over. Yeah, okay. So anyway, Tess Morris. <laughs> Tessa Morris. Tessa Joe Morris. Tessa Joe Morris. Tessa <laughs> Morris sounds more like a politician. Yes, that's what I mean. It yeah. sounds like it's not right, is it? 
We've done um, one hour, 44 minutes. Okay, well, you have fun editing that down. Be... But I talked a lot about my weird, like my, you don't need all that. This rom-com stuff's more okay. interesting than my, my past. So to play us out, introduce us, uh, introduce us, introduce us <laughs> to <laughs> your song. Um, uh, so <laughs> Introduce the song you want to play us out. Uh, I chose In the Midnight Hour by Wilson Pickett, which is from The Big Chill. Which features, um, which is one of the, one of my all time favourite films. Um, another kind of people forget about it, and they should not forget and about Lawrence it. Lawrence Kasdan, Lawrence Kasdan, brilliant director yep. that people people forget don't as well. Yeah, brilliant yep. writer, and it features at a moment in the film. It's a great montage that includes loads of really brilliant emotional turning point plot stuff, and it's just brilliant. And it's an excellent song, Dan. It is an excellent song, and you're an excellent guest. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure <laughs> talking to you. I'll um, see you around sometime. See you around. <laughs> <laughs> Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details.